I'm Steve White, a Suns fan since 1988, and you're listening to the Suns Solar Panel Podcast. Before we get into this trial, I'm really excited and I realized at the very beginning of this episode that our uh, we were having some audio issues. Thank you everybody so much in the YouTube chat for letting us know because otherwise we would have no damn idea because we sound great to each other, but we don't know how it's being broadcast. Yeah, we weren't uh, hearing that echo so- at all. Well, we'll exp- I'm gonna go. We're gonna go through and we're gonna re-explain kind of exactly what we're doing for the start of the the trial of Ryan McDonough. But before we do that, Monty Williams had some comments that we were talking about in our group chat a couple of days ago, saying that he believed the Suns can compete with any team in the league if there is a playoff play-in tournament. I don't. I don't disagree if everybody's yeah. healthy and they've been given a chance to get Kelly Hubre healthy and, and Frank Kaminsky. So now you would get an, an opportunity to see a full roster with the Phoenix Suns that we haven't really seen all year. Uh, Rust is the biggest question mark, but they're not the only team that would be dealing with that. Everybody in the league will be dealing with that same thing. So I think that actually, if you look at it, this would probably be the time that the Suns could compete with anybody because there's everybody's starting from square one, basically, uh, again. There's no denying that the Suns have talent on the roster. They proved that early in the season that they could beat uh, really good teams uh, when they're clicking. If they got on a hot streak, I certainly think they can beat uh, beat anybody in the league. The problem is they were uh, consistently inconsistent throughout throughout the entire season due to injuries and other factors so uh, if they come in healthy and and they get that chemistry back i I don't see why they couldn't make make a run now they're not going to beat uh you know the lakers in a series but if we're talking a a bunch of uh you know play-in games where you you know a battle for the eighth seventh and eighth seed I certainly could see them make a run through uh, through that back half of the Western Conference or uh, or NBA, depending on how they set it up to uh, to get one of those spots. Look, I am a huge fan of some kind of play-in tournament. Huge. Anything can happen. You can have some good games, and all of a sudden you're in. You can have bad game, and you're out anyway, but you were already out, so it's not a big deal. Obviously, teams like the Suns would absolutely love a play-in tournament. Uh, teams like the Grizzlies, who are currently in eighth place, would hate would a play-in tournament. <laughs> they would hate that idea. They would just—they just, just want to be given a playoff series. So, what's going to happen? Actually, in my mind, my asterisk is going to be on the Grizzlies making the eighth seed um, when nobody had a chance to fight for the seed at the very end of the season or not. If they just make a playoffs and suddenly the Grizzlies are, yeah, they had a three-game three-game lead in that eighth seed, but I don't feel like they were the team best position to actually finish the season in the eighth seed, but we'll never know. So I think that's an asterisk. They had made a, they had made a, a, a couple of trades where they really lost some of their veterans. They also had one of the toughest schedules going down the stretch. But can you yeah. imagine if the Suns were in the eighth seed and then the NBA said, actually, we're going to have a playoff tournament? Like, as a fan base, I'd be pissed. I know, we'd be melting <laughs> if they were going to have a play-in tournament and Suns yeah. finally had the eighth seed. We looked, ah! Don't worry. Yeah, but no, I would love it. I'd love to see it. As a Suns fan, I'd love to see a play-in tournament. Plus, it's fun. It's fun to see teams on, on do-or-die games. Don't worry, it's Memphis, the aka the future Las Vegas franchise. So I don't think their fan base is going to be too riled up. Boy, can there be anything more opposite though? Uh, going from basically the NBA version of Memphis, not the ragtime or whatever they are, uh, the musical team um, city, 
but the NBA version of Memphis is about as boring as it gets. And then you go to Vegas, which would be about as crazy as it gets. Man, that'd be fun. Yeah, I think I think they certainly would uh, would enjoy that. Uh, the players, the league, everybody. I think outside of uh, missing out on some good barbecue when you go to Memphis, I think everybody would be in favor of Memphis uh, moving to Vegas. All right. And so before we get into this, I do want to take a moment to thank one of our listeners who is a supporter of the show and has been for a number of months now. So thank you so much, Eric Fleury, uh, for supporting the show every single month. If you feel like you guys get a lot out of it and you're in a uh, financial least stable place to do so. We do have one, a five and a $10 option. It's in the show notes below. So feel free to do that. But uh, Eric, thank you so much. We really appreciate you. Before we, before we start for our audio uh, listening uh, group, we are kind of dressed up today for this. And Tim looks like he's got a shift at Chippendales after this. Uh, is uh, is what, that, <laughs> what that outfit looks like. Yeah. Should have gone shirtless, Tim. <laughs> Tim's the only one that could could rock that. The, uh, the jacket with no shirt and the bow tie on. Uh, you could have pulled that off. So. Uh, thank you. Um, okay, so what we're doing here is a three-part series on the trial of Ryan McDonough. I am going to be the judge. That was weird. Uh, <laughs> Greg is going to be the... <laughs> Greg is going to be the defender and Dave is going to be the prosecutor. Um, so like I said, this is a three part, uh, three part series. Uh, you guys watching on YouTube right now, we want to hear from you because after every single one of these sections, there's going to be a part for listener follow-up questions. And by listener, you're the jury with follow-up questions for either Dave or Greg based upon their statements. Okay. So again, this is a three part series. I'm going to go some, uh, through some of the rules. We have for this. There's no mention of specific transactions that McDonough made this in week. this, this week. week's That's episode. That's going to be in separate ones. We, uh, Dave or Greg can talk about the roster overall, perception, records, etc. Either side can object to the other one, and me, being the judge, will rule on whether the argument is allowed. So you, the jury, need to keep in mind whether or not that was that argument was allowed or you have to take it off the table. Okay. Opening and closing arguments shouldn't go longer than eight minutes. And I do have the right to cut it off. I guarantee you, Greg, if you start going 10 minutes straight without stopping to talk, I will cut you off. <laughs> Why like eight minutes? Like, <laughs> <laughs> because I thought 10 sounded too long. I don't know. I, <laughs> I my, my, legal, my legal degree uh, it didn't, uh, it didn't lay out all of the, uh, all the parameters. I think that's in one of the trial. books. It has to be eight minutes. It, it, is it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I spent uh, five minutes in law school, so it was an online class. So I'm ready. Right. Well. This is a this is a podcast slash YouTube show. Don't talk for eight minutes straight. And he can um, either He's side. He's made can. a career of that. What are you talking about? Challenge accepted, Tim. Challenge accepted. <laughs> can submit um, uh, evidence for consideration. One thing is Jacob and the YouTube chat is saying, Greg, to raise your audio level a bit. Um, by the way, in case you guys haven't noticed. Normally, Greg is on a headset mic, but he's been doing a lot of uh, work on that headset mic, and it shorted out a couple of weeks ago, so that's part of the reason for the audio problems today. He's getting a new one, though. Don't worry. All right, so the charge, the first charge being brought against Ryan McDonough is that Ryan McDonough left the Suns worse off than when he showed up. We're going to go to opening statements, starting with Dave, the prosecutor. 
Um, let's go all the way back to when Ryan McDonough took over this team. If you guys remember, they were coming off a 25 win season with Goran Dragic as their only real player on the team. Uh, at the time is what we thought. Anyway, uh, the only real player on the team, he came in smugly and said that he wanted to make the team better. Uh, he wanted to improve the talent on the team. He inherited basically, he was just throwing the prior administration under the bus of which one was Lon Babby, who was sitting right next to him in that press conference, um, saying that he was basically, uh, walked into a bare shelf, uh, and his job was to make the team competitive again. The reality though, is a little bit different. The reality is that he inherited a team, a franchise that had won 28 or more games in 43 of 45 seasons, 45 seasons, 28 or more wins in 43 of them playoffs in 29 of them. And he, and the only, uh, the only seasons that were under 28 wins were the first season when they were an expansion team and the last season that before he took over, which was his little ushering door into the franchise. What actually, what he said happened is he inherited a, a roster with no talent. What actually is true is that the roster he had coming into the uh, coming into that offseason of 2013 had seven future playoff starters on the roster already. Seven. Seven future playoff starters on the roster that he inherited. Goran Dragic, Channing Fry, P.J. Tucker, Markeith Morris, Marcus Morris, and as well as Marcin Gortat, and Jared Dudley, all on that roster, all would play in the playoffs in future seasons. None of them for the Suns, but they would play in the playoffs for future seasons. Those guys in the five, in the six off seasons in five years uh, that Ryan McDonough ran the team, seven of the guys he brought in the day he took over the roster played in the playoffs. None of them for the Suns. Guess how many guys he brought in made the playoffs? Zero. The Suns had no playoff seasons during his run. They still don't have a playoff season to uh, one full off season after his run two seasons of played after his run, no playoffs. He inherited, he brought in no guys who could play in the playoffs for the team. So um, I think that is, is pretty stark evidence that he made the franchise worse while he was there. Also, you know what he left behind? So he started with, a future all-star in Goran Dragic. He started with the fifth overall pick. He started with two future first-round picks coming to him as extra booty that the prior regime had had given him. They gave him the two future Steve Nash first-round picks. He started with the fifth overall pick, and he started with a future all-star and seven total future playoff starters. That's what he walked in with. What he left us with was no future first-round picks. One number six pick overall. Um, he left He left the Suns after he left. He gave us a roster, the 2018-19 roster, that had no future first-round picks on, uh, no, no future first-round picks coming, and the sixth overall pick earned from how bad that roster was. And maybe, I could maybe count five future playoff starters on the roster. If you project wildly, I can project, I can predict Devin Booker who did become an all-star. So he did draft an all-star. So good for him. He didn't keep the all-star he had that he started with, but he drafted a new one. So one for one there. 
Uh, he he left us with T.J. Warren, DeAndre Ayton, who might be an all-star, Mikel Bridges. Those guys are future starters on playoff teams. T.J. Warren is going to be a future starter if the NBA season, going to be a starter in the playoffs if the NBA season continues this year. He'll be a starter for the Pacers. Um, but he's not on the team anymore, but that's okay. Uh, Ryan McDonough left us with a future starter, uh, playoff starter in T.J. Warren. Uh, DeAndre Ayton and Mikel Bridges, I totally see starting future playoff games. That's four. Four. He was left with seven. He gave us four. If you really project, possibly, maybe, Rashawn Holmes could be a starter in a playoff rotation, just like the Morris brothers eventually were. And I could maybe, if DeAndre Melton reaches his ceiling, he could be a starter in a playoff team, much the same way like an Andre Roberson became a multi-year starter for the Thunder. Um, so that's maybe six. I mean, on the outside. So he inherited seven playoff starters and the number five overall pick and two future first. He left us with four to six future playoff starters and no future first round picks and the same level of uh, upcoming first round pick. So, Greg, try to tell me how he left this hey, hey, prosecutor, no playoff prosecutor, you do not talk to the defense. I do. <laughs> All right. Jury. Don't listen to any of the crap, any of the gaslighting that that defense attorney is going to give you in the next few minutes. But there is no way he left this franchise in better place than he started it. Okay. We have now heard the opening argument from the prosecution on the trial of Ryan McDonough. Ryan McDonough's defense now has its opening arguments. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, your honor. I object. I am <laughs> overruled. <laughs> Just kidding. I am a I am a simple man. I am not some big city lawyer like the prosecutor sitting across from me. I'm just a man that looks at facts and sees the reality. We both live in Phoenix, motherfucker. Prosecutor, do not interrupt the defense attorney during his opening statement. I, I live in Mesa. You live in Phoenix. I live in a small town. You live in a big city. It's just the way this is. Facts are facts, <laughs> and as you can see, the prosecutor is already attempting to skew those facts in a way that just don't make sense. For me, I I just look at things, and, and it's a it's about the simplicity of facts. It, it, the facts will speak for themselves. The prosecutor is going to try to tell you that the only thing that matters here is the number of wins that happen in a season. Everything else is, uh, is not important because that's the only way that you judge uh, that whether a team is better off than when they were taken over by a GM. And really what we're trying here in this portion of the case is who killed the Phoenix Suns. I mean, that's what we're trying to say here uh, with this. And I will argue that there is another person that really should be charged for that and that put the, the wheels in motion that caused this entire last 10 years. The prosecutor tries to tell you that that roster in 2012-2013 that Ryan McDonough inherited was better than the roster that, that Ryan McDonough left when he was subsequently uh, released of his duties as general manager. And I will prove throughout this, uh, unlike uh, the prosecutor, I'm not going to lay out my entire case in the opening argument. I'm going to tell you where I'm going, and then I'll lay out the case with evidence, because that's the way this should go. Evidence should make 
the case for you. And, and, and if you look at that 2013 roster, I'll prove that that roster was significantly less set up for success than where Ryan McDonough left this franchise uh, in later years. It, the facts are simple. Ryan McDonough inherited a roster that was set up for failure, that was not set up for the future, and was not set up for trying to win a championship in the long run. Part of the problem here is the mentality that the prosecutor is going to try to put on you is that accepting mediocrity and being an eighth seed uh, in the playoffs perpetually is what this city should expect and what this fan base and you, the jury, should expect from a team. But sometimes you have to take a step back before you take a step forward when you're trying to pursue a championship. And that is part of what went on here. That they, you had to take that subsequent step back to put your roster in a, in a place to wind up winning in the long run. There was no star on the roster that Ryan McDonough inherited. There's arguably, potentially, three now on that roster that Ryan McDonough is given credit for bringing in. I will go through that and I will show you how this roster that he left is significantly better than the one that he was given and how people previous to him are the ones to blame for the charge against him now. My client is 100% innocent of this charge and I will prove that throughout the remainder of uh, this first trial. I, uh, I hope that we can go through this together and keep it civil and that you guys can look at, you the jury can look at the facts and the realities of things rather than the skewed logic and perception that the prosecutor is going to try to paint for you. But I will make sure that we get through this and, and make sense of what really happened here. Defense, thank you. Prosecution, thank you. Uh, we do not have any follow-up questions yet from the jury. So we're going to go into the arguments and evidence-based portion of this trial. Again, we're going to start with the prosecution. All right. Uh, let's see. I'm, so for every piece of evidence, Greg gets to rebut it. Is that how we're going to go? Nope. Nope. We talked about this prior to doing the show. Uh, you <laughs> I know. Going to have so your part. I'm trying to like help you, everybody else understand what's happening here. Uh, sure. We're not the only three people in the room. See, the prosecutor, prosecutor can't even follow the rules. Uh, so, Your Honor, please uh, set him straight. Sure. Prosecutor, you have your chance to submit evidence, and then the defense has the chance to rebut that evidence or submit his own. But not point by point. Not, it's not going to go back and forth. You will have your turn, and then the defense will have his turn. Okay. And then, of course, we do have follow-up questions, which can be submitted by the jury, a.k.a. the YouTube listeners right now. Okay, Suns fans, judge and jury, thank you for giving me an opportunity to state my case in more detail than I did in the opening argument. The, my very first piece of evidence, evidence um, uh, 1A, is the roster. I'm going to go back to that. The roster that Ryan McDonough inherited, that he so smugly and brazenly said was a, basically a bare cupboard, that his job was to upgrade the talent on the roster. Let's go through that roster and let's talk about each of the players that ended up being better than he said that they were. First thing he had, Goran Dragic. 
Goran Dragic is the dude who scored 23 points in one quarter against the San Antonio Spurs to finally vanquish them in 2010. The prior regime had foolishly traded Dragic away. It was the owner, Robert Sarver, who brought Dragic back uh, to the team, and he had played one season as their best young player. Dragic was only 25 at the time. Uh, And then coming into the 2013-14 season, Dragic was uh, the equivalent, the best um, guy on their team. This is what happened after Ryan, but, but still, Ryan McDonough did not mention that Goran Dragic was a great cornerstone for the future of the franchise. Uh, yet, Goran Dragic in his first season under McDonough with the roster that uh, mostly built, mostly five of the top eight uh, performers on that team, he inherited, Ryan McDonough inherited from the prior regime. Uh, Goran Dragic uh, was actually a second team, I think a second or third team All-NBA that year, I'm pretty sure. And then he went on to become an All-Star eventually with another team after, we'll talk about that in a different charge against Ryan McDonough of how he soured that relationship. But he inherited Goran Dragic, a future All-Star. He had in his back pocket. He also had Channing Frye coming back from an injury uh, where he sat out the entire 12-13 season with a heart issue, with an enlarged heart. He had Channing Frye coming back. Channing Frye went on to start in playoff games and play in playoff games. He had P.J. Tucker, who was the heart and soul of any team, who went on to play in the playoffs for the Houston Rockets. He had Markeith Morris, a young Markeith Morris, who at the time was still not destroying the team, uh, that was a former first-round pick who was coming into his own. He ended up uh, becoming one of the top six men of the year that first year that um, McDonough had him, and then they moved him into a starting lineup. He has since started playoff games for two different franchises. You've got Marcus Morris, his brother, who came in and uh, was already on the team when Ryan McDonough took over. All these guys were already on the team when Ryan McDonough took over. And uh, they also, Marcus Morris, also played in the playoffs for teams after leaving the Suns. That is five guys he inherited on his roster who were up and coming. Well, okay, so uh, let's see. Goran Dragic, P.J. Tucker, and the Morris brothers were all seeing the best years of their careers going forward, not going backwards. And yet he somehow, when they did play in the playoffs, it wasn't for the Suns, for those guys. He also had Channing Frye on the tail end of his career, kind of, well, still in the late prime of his career. Um, And he had, um, he still had Marcin Gortat and Jared Dudley, who were also still playing several years. Um, Gortat just barely retired. Channing Frye just barely retired five years later. And um, uh, Jared Dudley is still going as a key athletic hands guy for the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, These guys are, were all viable roster players. That's what he inherited. Plus, he had two future first-round picks in his pocket. He had a late first in 2013 itself, which he turned into the inimitable hey, Archie Goodwin. Objection. Um, um, we're not yeah, supposed yep. to be um, talking about specific yep. roster uh, Fine. moves. Fine. I'm just talking about, okay, I won't talk about transactions. I'm talking about what he inherited. He inherited a late first in 2013, and he inherited this pick that, that uh, had the chance to be was unprotected from the Lakers eventually and could have been. That was the that was the pick that everybody wanted. In fact, uh, when the Suns came in, 
the uh, excuse me, when Ryan McDonough came in, the Suns were ranked by ESPN as having one of the top two best draft troves, treasure chests of, dra- of future draft picks in the league. So that's what he came in. That's what he inherited. What he left was the team disarray. He left a team that nobody wanted that roster. He left a team that was a complete shambles that only won 19 games. This is you right now. You are submitting um, evidence. This is not your closing argument. <laughs> I'm just warning you. To no, no. This on. is this is uh, he left the Suns worse off than when he showed up. Okay. Okay. He started with a team that had seven future playoff starters over the next five years on his roster and two extra first-round picks. He left with no extra first-round picks and barely any guys who could play in a playoff team. You you do have Devin Booker, who did eventually become an all-star, and he had um, DeAndre Ayton, barely drafted, Mikel Bridges, barely drafted, and uh, maybe uh, well, T.J. Warren definitely is a uh, playoff caliber guy. Uh, and maybe De'Anthony De- Melton and Rishon Holmes. Those are the guys he left behind as a, less, as a worse team than he started with. And they never won after that first two seasons in which he got lucky. The last four seasons, he never won more than 24 games. So tell me why. I have no idea how you can possibly argue that they're better off. You'll find All right, out. Prosecutor, thank you so much for your the for submitting your evidence, which just to sum it up for the jury, the roster had seven future playoff players on it, left with no extra picks and barely any guys who could play in a playoff team. Defense, this is now your opportunity of the trial to submit your own pieces of evidence for the jury. Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, the prosecution laid out an interesting argument, but I'd like to submit my first of numerous pieces of evidence. One, Mr. Lantifer Blanks. Lantifer. I believe that's his full name. Uh, I looked it up in the legal <laughs> records because as a lawyer, I have that ability to do. So Lance Blanks, everybody, let me present to you the man who should be on trial here for the destruction of the Phoenix Suns. When Lance Blanks came in, he was acquiring a team that had just went to the Western Conference Finals. He had a roster that included two potential Hall of Famers at the time, Steve Nash and Grant Hill. He also had Jason Richardson, Goran Dragic, and Robin Lopez. Uh, The man then trades Goran Dragic and a first-round pick. Yeah, that's right. You heard that right. And a first-round pick that turned into Nikola Mirotic, a pretty good NBA player, for Aaron Frickin' Brooks. Also, his legal name, looked it up, Frickin' it is, is his middle name. He then drafted Marquise Morris, and then, or Markeith Morris, and then traded for Marcus Morris. Marquise Morris. Markeith Morris. Marquise is their triplet that nobody talks about. Also, <laughs> looked it up in the legal archives. Uh, and then he trades for Marcus Morris from the Houston Rockets and puts together the most toxic pairing in NBA history. The guys that actually wind up getting arrest or charged with assault. They beat up a guy for flirting with their mom at, at one point. They become the plague of the locker room during the Ryan McDonough era. And he, Lance Blanks and, and uh, Lon Babby, who I do not blame for this. I put this all on Lance for Blanks. 
they wind up signing Marcus and Markeith Morris to this bizarre make choose your own adventure contract. Hey, they, transactions. No, Come on, Judge. This is not a Ryan no, McDonough transaction. That's true. That's very true. You Stop cannot the bring that up. <sighs> cannot bring up individual transactions. Fine, you know that fine, defense. Fine. Uh, and then, then Lance Blanks is the same guy that didn't draft a Kawhi Leonard because he sweat through his suit. We've got a, a Mensa member, and he drafted Kendall Marshall. It is Lance Blanks. Again. This is different. I'm not bringing up Ryan McDonough transactions. <laughs> That's that. I am bringing up my case as to why Ryan McDonough is not to blame for uh, devolving into uh, the madness that the Phoenix Suns have come to. So Lance Blanks is the man who should be on trial here for what has been done to this Phoenix Suns uh, team. The defense or the prosecutor, excuse me, would like you to believe that the roster that Ryan McDonough inherited was this beautiful, wonderful, glowing team that had all this playoff potential that could have done everything you ever imagined. But I submit to you exhibit two, the full roster that Ryan McDonough inherited. And when you actually listen to this group, you're going to get sick to your stomach because Michael Beasley was the star on that roster. And, and it was said as much. He was the highest paid man on that roster. Michael Beasley, if you remember. Shannon Brown, another guy uh, that is uh, just spectacular. Gorn Dragic, who, very nice, as Dave said, but was starting to be in the middle of his prime towards the end of it uh, as well. Jared Dudley, great guy. We all love JD, but we're not talking about a, a guy that is a future star or a major part uh, of a championship run. Deontay Garrett, anybody remember that guy? Uh, not many. Uh, Marcin Gortat, a personal favorite of mine, but again, we're not talking about an all-world big man that's going to change the game. Hamed Haddadi, who's your Haddadi? Remember him, a flash in, in the pan in Suns history. The biggest impact he had was wearing the highest number ever on a Suns jersey in 98. Wesley Johnson, Kendall Marshall, the Morai, Jermaine O'Neal, Luis Scola, Sebastian Telfair, P.J. Tucker, and Luke Zeller. There is almost as many people who have spent time in jail or being accused of doing something on this roster than have actually done anything in an NBA playoffs. So you cannot tell me that the cupboard was not at least pretty much bare when Ryan McDonough acquired this roster. So I, pr I submit to you Exhibit 3, which Dave also... Uh, submitted, but I will resubmit. The roster that that Ryan McDonough left the Phoenix Suns uh, with when his tenure came to an end. And look, not everything's pretty on this. I'll be the first to admit that. This isn't a team that was going to win a title in the moment. But you look at it, and as I go through it, you will see building blocks that would project into the future uh, much better than that original roster that he got. You have guys that you can look at and could see potential superstars uh, and, and guys that will be a core part of a potential championship team uh, in, in Phoenix when you look at this roster. So Ryan Anderson, yeah, we know about that. Uh, Trevor Ariza, eh, he sucked, all right? I'll be honest. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. DeAndre Ayton, potential 
future game changer, all right? You're looking at a guy who could be the Hakeem of his generation. Dragon Bender, we know how that played out. I'm still on Bender Island, but not everybody else. Uh, is Devin Booker undoubtedly the biggest star this franchise has had since Steve Nash and has the potential to be one of the all-time greats in Phoenix Suns history? And I don't think anybody, even the prosecution, can deny that. Mikhail Bridges, who has a chance to be a D, 3 and D guy that is a, a, a championship piece for this team. Uh, Isaiah Cannon, Tyson Chandler, Jamal Crawford, Troy Daniels, uh, Jimmer Fredette, Rashawn Holmes, Judge Jackson, <laughs> DeAnthony Melton was a great find, uh, uh, Elliot Kobo, uh, uh, and TJ Warren. Even draft Melton. <laughs> and and, 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 and TJ Warren. Uh, so <laughs> if you look at that, the argument here is he got he inherited a, a, an aging, decrepit, uh, problematic locker room type of roster. <laughs> and with with guys, we're talking Sebastian Telfair, who's actually in prison now for for gun uh, for having uh, multiple weapons that he wasn't supposed to have to. The Morai who were. Uh, uh, all sorts of problems became the chaos that that took down uh, Jeff Hornacek's tenure and a team that was actually quite successful that first year. All sorts of problematic pieces on uh, on that roster, and he turned it into a roster that you look at and you see the future talent that could potentially bring a title. Because you look at it, those three guys in and of themselves, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, Mikhail Bridges, there is no denying that those could be three major pieces on a championship team that happens here in Phoenix. Well, the prosecution is going to try to tell you that— Defense, defense, oh, this is right. not your you're time right. to argue to the jury you're right. about right. what the prosecution is bringing. This is only a time to submit your evidence. Well, my Has last, your evidence been submitted? My final piece of evidence, Exhibit 4, is this, and it's quite simple and factual. The prosecution sucks. Those are my. <laughs> those I are my pieces of I hereby, as the judge, take that out of consideration for all the jurors. We do have a a juror that did submit a follow up question, and this is yeah. for the prosecution. This is coming from Darth Voida. What? Nope. It's actually Darth just coming Voida. from Darth Voida. He says, <laughs> "What about all of the coaching changes that occurred under Ryan McDonough's watched?" Obje Under Ryan McDonough's watch, he ruined the culture, correct? Objection. Those are transactions. Yeah, sure? so I'll just sure. I'll just reply to Darth, um, to Darth Voida. We have two more of these trials, pieces of the trial to go. Uh, the next one is about transactions, which I'm going to kill him in. And the one after that is about culture. Uh, so we're not going to talk about what happened during. We're, we're, today we're just talking about what he started with and what he ended with. Okay, so my closing statement is basically oh, hold on. prosecution. With... Yes, I'm the sir. judge. I tell you when your when your opening statement oh. begins. Uh, I uh, my apologies, Your Honor. Your Honor, yeah. I'd like to resubmit Exhibit Four based on the evidence that we just saw from the prosecution. <laughs> Denied. Denied. Okay, closing statements. We're going to start with the prosecution. Thank you, thank you, Your Honor, jury. I'd like to submit to you that the prosecution is an ignorant slut. Am I, I, this is my closing statement, I, I do not so it's object. not evidence, so I, I can just say what I want to say. I agree. The prosecution is an ignorant <laughs> slut. Did I say that? Yes, no, you did. I said you, you must give the prosecutor his time without interruption. 
The defense attorney is an ignorant slut. Okay. And possibly the prosecutor as well. All right. So my closing statement is I'm going to, I'm going to respond to the pieces of evidence that were submitted by the defense uh, because that this is my opportunity to do that. Uh, first of all, you cannot make your entire argument that where Ryan McDonough is on trial jury, the entire argument of Ryan McDonough being on trial cannot be about the other dude was worse. This is not, that's not what this country is all about. This country is all about putting the actual person on trial on trial instead of spending the entire time trying to say somebody else was worse. That's not what this is about. So I just throw out the entire of it, just boom, out, exploded, done. No argument for Lance Blanks. You cannot make the Lance Blanks argument to distract from the Ryan McDonough trial. That's what we're in. Um, so um, exhibit number two, the 2012-13 roster. I already broke that down. He inherited seven guys who went on to play in the playoffs in the next five years, none for the Suns. That's what he inherited. He gave, he left us with guys who, who couldn't play in the playoffs because obviously there were no playoffs during Ryan McDonough's tenure. Um, there's, there's an argument that, that, um, that he left us with an all-star. Absolutely. Uh, but he didn't, he didn't actually leave us with a true, a current all-star. He left us with a future all-star that only blossomed after he was gone. Um, there's, there's also that 2012, 13 roster as bad as that is, as bad as that 12, 13 roster is, they won 25 games. You know what that signifies? More wins than four of the six rosters that McDonough put together. As bad as that 25-win team was that he inherited, they had more wins than four of the six rosters that McDonough put together. I don't think I have to repeat that again. It's BS to argue that he left with more than he came with. He left with a worse team than he came with. That's, so that's, that's regarding Exhibit 2. Exhibit 3, um, you're, you're saying he left the Suns with a roster with potential. You know what? Every roster has potential. Yes, he did leave the Suns with a, few, a couple of higher, of higher ceiling guys than he started with, but the rest of the roster was complete crap. You tried to like even murmur, mumble, through the, the the defense tried to mumble through all the all the talent that was on the roster in 2018-19. Let's go through it again. Isaiah Kanan is your starting point guard. Coming into 18-19, Isaiah Kanan as your starting point guard. Elia Kobo as your backup point guard. Um, what else did you have? You had Jamal Crawford, 84 years old coming out of retirement, probably had re- felt like he had retired five years prior, came out of retirement, and you know what he became? Your lead guard off the bench. Come on. Let's be honest here. Ryan Anderson, did he even make a three as the son? I think he made one three all season. It was for another team, and that was it. Um, Dragon Bender was still on the roster at that time, yet he was on his, he was on his final season without another one coming. Um, he, his, his fourth year couldn't even be guaranteed. He's been so bad. Prosecutor, you have two minutes. All right. Uh, George King, he drafted. Juwan Evans. Okay. Uh, let's talk about guys he started the season with. Um, Tyson Chandler, 
The dude, I mean, the dude had retired three years prior. We just didn't know it. I mean, look, he left the cupboard more bare than he started with. You cannot in any way argue that Ryan McDonough left the team better than we started with. Prosecutor, Prosecution thank grounds. you. Thank you. Uh, defense. And we do have one jury follow-up question as well after the defense gets done with his closing statement. And please submit more if you have them. Uh, now, you know, I, I have to simply say again, like I said in the opening statement, that a man like the prosecutor is going to try to make you believe that this is all about wins and losses, and that's the only way you can judge this. And that's just simply not true. All right? He'll say that you cannot talk about the past because Ryan McDonough's on trial here, but it's simply you have to find him completely guilty without uh, a shred of doubt. And the doubt is Lancer for blanks. Hands down, what he left, Ryan McDonough, made it impossible uh, to consider him the reason that there, there's been failure, that he, he left this team worse off than he inherited it. What this comes down to is, did you feel more comfortable with that roster that Lance Blanks, you, the jury as fans, that Lance Blanks left this team with? Did you have faith that that was going to potentially contend for a title in the future? That they were going to get this Suns team and you, the jury, the fans, to the mountaintop to be a true champion and be something that we've never had here in Phoenix? There is no way that you looked at that roster that Ryan McDonough inherited and had the utmost confidence that if that eventually that would turn into a title contending team. But when you look at the roster that Ryan McDonough subsequently left uh, for James Jones, you see the building blocks of the next great Suns team. You see the opportunity to win a championship. You see a superstar in Devin Booker. And yes, I'm saying legally Devin Booker is a superstar now. You see DeAndre Ayton, who has the potential to blossom into one of the greatest big men of his generation. In year two, you saw that potential start to take hold and morph. You've seen Mikhail Bridges prove that he could be a defensive stalwart in this league. Those are three pieces that Ryan McDonough brought in, and you cannot take that away from him. You can't simply go, well, the fringes around them, they weren't very good. The building blocks of the next great Suns team were left by Ryan McDonough, and you cannot deny that. His imprint on this team is indelible and will be here for years to come and maybe a decade to come with a Larry O'Brien trophy potentially in the new Talking Stick Resort Arena due to the pieces that he helped bring into this franchise. Did he complete that picture? No. There is no doubt about it. When he left, they were not a title to contending team, but he left more pieces for the next general manager to build that team than Lance Blanks left him, and there is no doubt about that whatsoever. Lance Blanks came in with Hall of Fame talent and left with a poo-poo platter of dysfunction and, and just ridiculousness on the roster. Ryan McDonough left with three potential all-stars and superstars that would be part of a championship team on the roster. If you look at this as simply wins and losses, yes, it's an argument that you can make and easily make, but quite frankly, it's lazy and does not surprise me that the prosecution <laughs> brought that weak sauce to the table. Dikembe Mutombo would say, not in my house. You do not do that. 
It is ridiculous and weak. You have to look at the totality of the roster, the confidence you have in the pieces that are left, and the pieces that will be here for years to come to make a future uh, a future potential contending team. Dave, will, uh, the prosecutor, will tell you seven guys were from that roster made were playoff players. Great. None of them uh, were particularly great on those teams. They were all uh, pieces around stars. Mm. They were fringe pieces that were Defense, nice, you have one fitting, minute. nice pieces that fit in, right? They were not the guys that brought you a championship. If you look at it, if the Suns are going to win a championship in the next five to ten years, the pieces that will lead them to that were pieces Ryan McDonough brought in. Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Mikhail Bridges, I rest my case. Thank you, defense. Thank you, prosecutor. We do have two questions from the jury. These are both going over to the defense. You have 30 seconds to answer each question. The first jury question is... With Ryan McDonough, and there's nothing wrong with that when you're defending a man, because I understand his character, I understand the inner workings, and what truly happened. I have insight that uh, that a person like the prosecutor would never understand about the way this happened. <laughs> and I think that is a benefit, not a, a, a downfall of my defense. Okay, the second juror question, this is coming from Pat. He says, don't you think that it should the roster should be much better now with all the assets he got from the tanking? Was that to the defense? Yep. Uh, 30 seconds. Yes, and I would argue that it is significantly better. You look at the top three of the roster he inherited, Goran Dragic, Markeith Morris, Michael Beasley. You look at the three he left with, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Mikhail Bridges. If you would take those other three, uh, I have a padded room welcome uh, for you to use. Okay, so now we do need the jurors to vote on who won the first Tim, part. There was, um, uh, Your Honor, there was one more question in the in the comments for the defense. Uh, I saw that. I decided not to do that question okay. because it was submitted so late into the trial itself. Okay. Um, for the jurors that are watching, we do need your vote on whether or not the defense or the prosecution won this phase, not the entire trial, but this phase of it. So in the chat, type okay. in defense or prosecution. Uh, My turn to weigh in, and this is in regards to a statement that the prosecutor made earlier, claiming that the defense could not bring in Lance Blanks because Lance Blanks was not on trial. I object to that. That is incredibly common in all the TV trials I've ever watched, where the, <laughs> where the defense oftentimes brings in um, another suspect of who could have actually committed the crime. I, I, can I rebut this? No. Yeah. You, actually, you can you 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 have you can respond Your yes, Honor, because can we I, do I can respond to that. that. Okay. Even if you do include Lance Blanks, he left more on the cupboard than Ryan McDonough did because he left seven playoff caliber starters on his roster and two extra first round picks coming. Even if you can include Lance Blanks. Wow. He left more than Ryan McDonough did. And he had few and he had fewer years to do it in. Uh, I I would like to respond. I think there is uh, no surprise here that the prosecutor is wearing a jacket that he also wore in a Joker costume because his uh, <laughs> his reasoning is completely comical. Uh, and those, I should have put so, back on the Joker makeup too can, for this. Can we uh, can we 
also, uh, Your Honor, uh, let the people, uh, the jury voting, uh, remind them that this is a referendum on whether Ryan McDonough uh, left this team in a worse spot than where he inherited it and, and not anything uh, additional. Um, I do actually uh, take that entire argument out because we already brought it up earlier in the episode, and uh, I do feel like you are now just trying to reiterate your case no, no, after no, your I, closing statement. No, that is actually so the charge against you, him. I was just you simply cannot asking. you cannot resubmit that. No, okay, I say no. <laughs> but by the way, you should by have the powers put the, invested in me. You should have put the Joker prosecutorial makeup back on, uh, Dave. You should have. <laughs> And going to the jury for the first part of our three-part series on the trial of Ryan McDonough. It does look like unanimous decision. Everybody believes that the defense didn't win this episode, even if they don't agree. And that is not an indication of whether or not they will vote to convict Ryan McDonough or not. That being said, the It's not jury... unanimous. I got a vote. You got one. And Dave is in, in, in the, nope. the prosecutor is okay. in the chat himself. Uh, trying to no. sway the jury. <laughs> we'll take that out. So thank you, everybody, so much for joining. Thank you so much to the, the defense. You can't take uh, out MT's vote. <laughs> uh, you're right. No, it was not unanimous, but it was still overwhelming to the defense. Uh, sorry, prosecution. Although on the next episode, you do get to bring up individual transactions, which might be slightly more favorable to your argument. Uh, I would like to thank the jury for their service and uh, admit that I am likely going to get my ass handed to me in the next two phases of this trial. So thank you for giving me the opening win uh, here. Thank you. This is a I'm, microcosm of the of the U.S. entirely. You can you can sway somebody just by being persuasive. I had all the evidence in my favor. Um, we are also going to remit that from uh, the episode as well. Uh, so join us live. Next Saturday, this is at 7 o'clock Arizona time, if you want to get in and submit your questions to the prosecution or the defense or vote on who won that specific episode or that specific phase of the trial, I should say, of Ryan McDonough. My name is Tim Tompkins for Dave King and Greg Esposito. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We really do appreciate you, and we will be back next Saturday, 7 o'clock Arizona time. Oh, wait, wait.